Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning, Life in the Sun. Amen. God bless everybody this morning. It is always an honor uh, to be able to get up here and and just share God's heart with you guys. Uh, So before we begin, uh, if I could just say a quick prayer, that would benefit me a a lot. Amen. (laughs) Father, we thank you for the gathering of your people. Lord, we thank you for the koinonia that that we share with one another. And we thank you for this thing that is called the church the ecclesia, those that have been called out from the world to serve and to be able to minister unto you today, Father. Lord, I pray this morning that you just use me as your vessel. Let your words flow through me, Lord, and let it not be about me, about what my opinion is or anything, but Father, let it be completely about what you want to be shared this morning. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just, again, just want to let you guys know who I am. My name is Chris Brown. No affiliation with the other guy. My wife is Cindy Brown. I love my wife very much. She is my greatest fan, I think. (laughs) And I'm just one of the leaders here at the church. And again, I just thank you for uh, allowing me to share with you this morning. Uh, We're going to be continuing on. Uh, Actually, this is our ninth and final installment of the series that we've been going through called Forward. And along with this series, we've gone through uh, several, several messages. And I'm testing the, uh, okay, let me try. There we go. All right, so we've gone through I guess that's a little small, so I'll just kind of read through it. The first portion that we went through was following Jesus through spiritual discipline, learning essential doctrines, and learning about what life change really means for us. And then because of that change, God wants us to be encouraged to then fish for people. So we learned that through understanding the gospel, by preaching the gospel, and by making disciples, which is one of our main distinctives. And then finally, we have to learn how to be in fellowship with one another, to be in unity, to be in community. And today uh, is going to be about shared life. So what is shared life, you might ask? Shared life is simply that God, in his ultimate and wonderful love, wants to share his life with us. And without that life, we would not really understand what our purpose is. We've gone through the whole series to kind of end up here today. uh, Because even Jesus himself said it. He said, I want to give you life and I want it to be abundant. I want you to experience what life with me, it it feels like. and, And what it means to be able to share that life with one another, you know. We have been called out. We are the church. We are the ecclesia, as it says in in the Greek. And it just really means that God has called us out to separate ourselves from the world. And you think, well, what does that really mean? Actually, God calls it being holy. But I think we misunderstand what the term holy really means. Amen? 
holy in its base, most root form, means to be separated, to be separate. The reason God is holy is because he's not like us. He's separate. He's not here. He's separated from us. The Bible says in Isaiah that it is our sins that have separated us from God. So it's not just a physical distance that we feel. It's a spiritual distance. It's an emotional distance. And we grow up not knowing who God is in our life. And that's the whole process of what it means to move forward. And so we end up here today with a thing called shared life. So what does it mean now to share that life with, with, with each other? So serving others, this is the actual uh, scripture verse for today. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. So let's just read through this. God has given each of you a gift. From his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. For all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. This is actually a very small uh, synopsis of what you could actually find in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 talks about the same things. I think uh, Peter and and Paul got together and discussed this often because Paul shares the same thing, but it actually goes more in depth. So if you want more study on this, please go to Romans 12. It is uh, an amazing set of scriptures. But I'm also going to be pulling some of the scriptures out of Romans 12 to kind of expand a little bit on what it means to share the life that we have with God. So you see I underlined that simple word up there called gift. If you can see that, that's great. I'm sorry if I I made it too small. I have a habit of, I don't know, not expanding the, the font on these, and I apologize. But what is a gift? A gift is something that we don't own, right? We don't possess it. And it, the purpose of the, uh, or the, uh, the, the basis of the gift is it's, it's something that has to be given to us. We don't own it. We don't have possession of it. And it needs a giver, right? So in this essence of being able to serve, the reason God gives gifts is because he knows that we are deficient. We don't want to serve others. Who do we want to serve? I call it the unholy trinity, the me, myself, and I. <laughs> right? That's who we wake up in the morning thinking, I, okay, what, what is on my agenda? What's on my schedule? What do I have to do today? And we go through that list every morning, and we don't even think about it. It just it's, what is it? It's natural, right? But see, God wants to bring something in that's not natural. He calls it supernatural. So where do we get the supernatural ability to apply what God wants us to do? 
The answer is very simple. It's through the Holy Spirit. And I think it is, uh, I forget who wrote the book, but there's a book out there called The, uh, uh, the Forgotten God. And if somebody can think of the author, then go ahead and shout it out. But um, I think it was um, Francis Chan, I think. I don't know. If I'm wrong, forgive me. But the book is about the Holy Spirit. And we forget about the Holy Spirit because he's the one who needs to empower us to do his will. He, he's the one who wants to fill us with the words and the abilities and the, and the gifts and the talents in order to reach the people of God and to reach the lost. It's an all-encompassing thing, and, it, and it's not where God wants to assist us. He wants to replace our abilities with something that is far greater. Amen? So where does the greater come from? Well, I put this verse up there because, you know, if you remember back to when I spoke about uh, preaching the gospel, see, the beauty of God is he makes it simple for us. We cannot do anything without him. The moment that we lean on our own understanding, our own strength, that is when we run into troubled waters. Amen? It could be something that, you know, you were excited about. You grabbed a hold of this ministry and you're like, man, this is something I really love and I want to do this. And then maybe months, maybe years down the road, you find it's work. It's a burden. It's something that is a heavy load on your, on your shoulders. And when you really begin to peel back the reasons why we end up in these places, it's very simple. We began to rely on our own gifts. We began to rely on our own strength in order to do the ministry, to do the work of God. And all God wants us to do is simply be so amazed in him that our work becomes effortless. It becomes a joy. It becomes something you wake up in the morning going, God, what am I going to do for you today? And, and I, I'll confess, I'm not there yet either. But God wants us to trust. So let's read this scripture. This is a very powerful scripture. It's out of Psalm 90, verses 14 through 17. Oh, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the, of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of your hands. Yes, confirm the work of your hands. I've got good news for you this morning. It is not your work. It's his work. And you, all you have to do is surrender, submit, and watch God do some amazing things through you. He may have something for you. He may have a gift that is maybe yet still undiscovered. And, I, you know, I want to share with you this morning one of, my, uh, one of the gifts that is very evident. You guys may know this. My wife is a giver. It's unprompted, and so much so that I end up becoming, becoming a worker for her givingness. <laughs> Amen? 
It's like, hon, can you go and, uh, you know, pick like 20 avocados off the tree? So guess who's up Sunday morning climbing the tree in Azores, pulling <laughs> avocados off the tree because she wants to give. But church, that's just a simple example of what it means to serve. God does not want serving to be a burden to any of us. He wants serving to be something that gives life, that he breathes into and he provides a, uh, an amazing amount of joy that comes with it. Does that mean that we're not gonna struggle in the midst of it and stumble and fall? No, it doesn't. We are gonna have our struggles, amen? There are gonna be times when I'm gonna be like, oh, I gotta go play guitar again. Especially I gotta deal with Elmore telling me, no, not that key, we're doing it in another key. Use capo 12. Like, oh, thanks Elmore, changing the key on me again. <laughs> but the point of it is, is that yes, we are gonna have some moments where we're gonna feel like we're struggling. But you know what? If we press through by faith, because the word says what? We walk by faith and not by sight. All right? If we press through, if I go and I think, yep, I got those thoughts going through my head. I've got the flesh is at work back there. But you know what? The word says that we're no, under no obligation to serve the flesh. I don't, have to, I don't have to obligate myself to those thoughts. I don't have to surrender to those thoughts and ideas. The biggest problem that we have, I think, is we still don't know how to identify the two, right? But we know God when he steps in because in the midst of those thoughts, God's in there saying, you know what, just go. Just, just go to practice, you'll be okay. And guess what? I go to practice and I have a great time because once I step up on stage, then God fills me. That's the key to the part of serving him that we often overlook. How many have seen uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Right? Do you know the, the scene where uh, he's got to cross that chasm in the cave, right? And he's like this, and the, and the guy's like, you just got to step in faith, right? Step in faith. And he's like, I think there's like people pushing him from, he's like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he's like up on the edge like this, and he can't see it, right? There's a way. And then what did he do? He kind of reached down and grabbed some stones and threw it out there. And all of a sudden, you could see this path that appeared in front of him. Church, isn't it like that for us following God? We don't know until we step. God doesn't fill until he sees the faith, what is, what is faith? Remember, faith is, some, is, is simply belief in action. In order for faith to work, I got to do something. I got to go. I got to show up. I got to step up here. And, you know, even though I'm sitting down there beforehand, everybody goes through this. Anybody that speaks, if you don't, you're not human. <laughs> you're nervous, right? You're like, what? am I good? Do I have it all? I got, you know, do I have my list? I got my outline. I got all this stuff. I got it. But you know what? The moment I step up here, it's effortless. And I forget that. I forget what the breath of God feels like. And it's no different when we serve in our ministries. You know, whether we're serving the children, whether we're uh, ushering people in and out of their seats and 
you know, we got rope jumpers back there getting into the seats before their time, you know. We have, uh, <laughs> amen, we got sound guys, we've got, uh, uh, we got it covered, right? We got a, an admin team that works in the office behind the scenes, but God now all of a sudden wants to provide a gift for you to perform something for this body. He's got a talent in you, amen? I don't know how many people we have in this church, probably a couple hundred, 300, I don't know. You know, there's a lot, right? And I cannot begin to tell you the joy that, that it brings God's heart when we begin to see those two or 300 people not just as strangers or acquaintances or even good friends. He wants you to see them as delightful opportunities to show the kingdom of God. Well, you might be thinking to yourself, I don't have much kingdom in me to show. You, got a, you, got, you had enough to come this morning. You had enough to respond. You stepped out in faith, got in your car, hit the gas pedal, and you're here. Amen? Start there. Start with small beginnings. Small beginnings move into bigger, more amazing things. Amen? So Romans 12. I'm just going to pull out. There's going to be four main points that I'm going to go over this morning. And just to kind of steer you guys, uh, and so you understand where I'm going this morning, uh, towards the end of the service, uh, I do intend on, on having an altar call. And the altar call, as any of us uh, would have need uh, to come forward and receive what God intended for you to have through the Holy Spirit, through his gifts, through his talents, and because we recognize that we don't want to do this in our own strength, but it calls us, God calls us out in order to experience something greater, and we just want to provide for that at the end of the service today. So as we're going through these scriptures, please keep that in mind. Pray in your heart, is, is today the day, Lord, that, that I go forward and, and I receive something from you? Amen. So Romans 12, dedicated service. Using spiritual gifts for his kingdom is our act of worship. You know, we think of worship sometimes as just, you know, a worship team, you know, uh, playing instruments and singing. You know, we've kind of labeled that worship. But what is worship? Somebody somewhere had said that uh, a good way to think about it is to add uh, a TH in the middle instead of the H or the S. It's worth-ship. Or yeah, leave the H, or no, put the T-H in there, leave the S. You know what I mean. <laughs> I don't want to confuse you. But it's called worth-ship. What is of worth is what you go with. You get on that ship. You get on the ship that you consider worthy. That is where we give everything that God has put in us. So it's a proper response to God's grace. God's grace fills us first. This is not some type of academic thing where we just, you know, we read the Bible and we go through it line by line, word for word, and it is not something that is strictly uh, uh, theological. There's breath included with this. Yes, the word has to be there. That's the framework. It's the framework that God puts into 
uh, where God puts his spirit into him, that that's where the life comes to. Think about the, the message in the Old Testament about uh, the dry bones, the valley of the dry bones, right? Think of the word as the framework, the bones. It's, it's, the, it's the foundation of life's essence. And what God begins to add to those bones is life, things that move us, things that help us live, things that help us to interact with one another in the proper way. It is a representation of the physical, is the spiritual. Using spiritual gifts is also a result of our transformation. We don't expect anybody when they first come to Christ, obviously, to jump into ministry. Amen? You know, the word is clear. It says that, uh, you know, if you're too young and you go into the ministry, you know, you could become prideful or you could become tempted uh, with things in your youth that may draw you away if you're not rooted and grounded in what uh, God would call maturity. But at the same time, we do know people that have had a tremendous amount of reaction to God's grace in them, and you see them launch into an amazing ministry. But just remember, God is dealing with us as individuals. He doesn't look at us as cookie cutter. We're, We're all the same. So that means God gives us different gifts, right? You know, what God gave Elmore, he didn't give to Van. Even though Van may be jealous, I don't know. Don't get jealous. (laughs) So each one of those come together to fill the voids in the body. Amen? So God is, again, placing these gifts around this room into specific people for a specific purpose. And oftentimes it's that thing at the bottom of our heart going, come on, this this is what I want you to do. Trust me, it's not always something that we want to do, but in God's infinite wisdom, it always ends up being something that we find we enjoy more than if we would have had the choice to make ourselves, amen? Because I would have chosen, I don't know, something else. <laughs> Standing up in front of people is, was not my, uh, it, it's not something that I would have jumped at. If, if you understand what I'm saying. Even when I'm back here playing guitar, it's like I still want to kind of be back behind people and, you know, I'll play, but don't put me out front. You know, it's not something that I want to do. But is, isn't it amazing that often God does put us into positions where we need to rely on his spirit? We can't do it in our own flesh. Otherwise, who gets the glory? We do. That's the key. When we choose to follow what God is calling us to do, and it's difficult, even we begin to praise God in the midst of it. Whoa, God, that was amazing. Did you, I went in and I did this and I did that, and I just felt you just, you know, move me through this whole process, and you got, you got the glory, God. But think if we did it in our own strength. What rises up? It's pride. I did it. Man, I'm pretty good at this. I'm amazing. I'm the best teacher ever, Lord. But that's not what God has called us to do. He wants us to experience him and give in return cheerfully. Because if 
our ministry becomes a burden, what makes us cheerful has shifted from God to something else. Amen? We find that, you know, if you want to know where you got off track, look at what you're complaining about. If your complaint is, I'm not spending enough time with God, then you're wise, and you need to shift that. But if you find that your complaints are, well, this person said this, and this person did that, and this happened, and that happened, and that's, you know, and your complaints are things that uh, are personal to you, then that's where you got off track, because your motivation are those things. In other words, if that person would have said the right thing, everything would be okay. Or if that certain incident didn't happen, then you would still be doing X, Y, or Z. But that's not why we do things. We don't do things for ourselves. We heard it this morning in our worship. You know, what a beautiful name it is. It's our response to the grace of God in each one of us. So therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Second point, serving others comes from an outflow of God's grace in us. We humble ourselves to receive and give more. Church, it takes humility. If there's anything that will will help us, it's our own walk with God. Because in order for us to be present with him, we have to humble ourselves. We have to come before him and allow our pride and our sin, whatever it is, we have to lay it down. We have to allow the cross to cleanse in order for us to enter into that throne room of grace. It's for our benefit. God has already done the work, but this is where we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We have to apply the blood, as it were. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to cleanse. And that takes faith. But it also describes how people can become religious. Because there's no life, they, they try to follow in their own effort, their own strength, their own understanding. Trust me, I know, I've done it. It's very easy, especially coming from the, my, my background. Uh, I spent 24 years in the Air Force. I know how to read technical orders. I know how to read regulations and figure, okay, I gotta do this, 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 and this, then that's what I've gotta do. I can figure it out. I can tell whether I'm passing or failing or doing the right thing or not doing the right thing. And I can perform. But how many, many of us are, are learning that at the, at, the, at, the, at the feet of Christ, performance means nothing. It's how much we commune. And the result of that is the works that God wants us to do. He wants us to be empowered. He wants us to feel secure. And he wants us to understand the process. He does not want us depending on ourselves, our own strength, and our own ways. He simply wants us to meet with him, to learn from him, 
to learn his ways. Jesus, did he not say, come follow, come follow me? Remember the woman at the well, come meet a man that knows everything about me. She was willing to go and, and lay down her life for the Savior because of what he did in her heart. The same thing with Mary Magdalene. Could you imagine? You're about to be stoned, and then Jesus steps in and says, hold on. To the point where every heart that was, about, that was behind those hands with the stones in them, they were convicted. They were cut to the heart where they dropped everything that they were going to do. And Jesus released her and said, go sin no more. And I often look at that, that scripture, and I don't know if anybody else has kind of struggled with that scripture myself because it's like, yeah, I, I know. Go sin no more, but I've sinned. I wasn't obedient to that. And then God laid in my heart something very powerful. He said, Chris, that's not a commandment. It's permission. You can go and sin no more. It goes right back to what Jesus said, or what Paul said, that if we lay down our life and God fills it, he will provide the power for us to go and sin no more. We are under no obligation to serve the flesh because he's given us the opportunity to walk in purity and holiness. Does it take work? Yes, it does, but it's God's work. It's you submitting. It's you, uh, you know, therefore let us offer our bodies as living sacrifices. I mean, we can't have a living sacrifice without sacrifice. So what is it that we are sacrificing? We're sacrificing our own efforts. We're sacrificing our own uh, walk by sight and not by faith. Amen? So the scripture is, uh, for though the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allowed, allotted to each a measure, measure of faith. God has given. There's another gift. It's this process that we are learning because it's about the fact that we've first been loved and now we can love in return and we can love each other. Amen? Third point, his gifts change others. When we begin to deal with selfless, unconditional love, oftentimes we are the recipients of it before we are the givers of it. That's how it's designed to be. We can't offer unconditional love until we begin to experience it ourselves. When we begin to meet with God on a regular basis, you, we will find that oftentimes where we think we're in a lot of trouble, God is the one, Jesus is the one, who bends his knee in front of us, wipes our wounds, gives us encouragement, and says, get back up and go back at it again. He does it every time. Never does he say anything towards condemnation. Because we know the... Romans 8, 1, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think it is actually in the King James Version, uh, there's a little additive to that that is very important. 
And it says, for those who do not walk after the flesh. And it's a very interesting statement because what does it mean? It means that we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't think of it as, oh, again, I'm not performing. No. God is saying, I want you to walk by faith and not by sight. Because when we begin to trust in the Holy Spirit and not in the flesh, that's what we're doing. We are putting down the flesh. So therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are walking in the Spirit. We're trusting in the Holy Spirit. We're trusting in the work of the cross. We're trusting in God's word and promise that if we follow, all will be well with us. Jen read it this morning. That if we confess in Romans uh, 10, right? If we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus Christ from the grave, we will be saved. Why? Because confession in our heart, when it comes out of our mouth, it's what we believe. We speak it. But at the same time, we also begin to act on it. We begin to move forward in that walk that we have. Now, do all of us go at the same pace and the same rate? No. But now, there, because of that differing pace and differing rate, now we begin to understand why God has given us gifts. It's to help our brother or our sister when they're falling behind or they're lagging behind. And it's also to help others. You know, it's, actually, I don't even want to go there with, you know, falling behind. We are all at our place where we need to be. But it takes each one of us ministering into each other's lives to help each other move forward. Can you become stagnant? Yes, you can. But that's why God wants to use the gifts that he's put into you. And he wants to uh, solidify that relationship with you to the point where you begin to trust and serve others. So what we have is, oh, let me not, I don't want to forget that second bullet. It's very important. God has really taught me some lessons off of this second bullet. Trust me. God has released us to bless others regardless of their performance. It's powerful. Why is it powerful? Because when we begin to bless others and minister to others regardless of their performance, we are now truly beginning to act in unselfish, unconditional love. And that's the kind of love that's in Romans 13 that doesn't fail. Why? Because it's genuine and it's tangible. And when we act in it, if it's ever been done to you, you know that was God. You know? I can, I, I, I'll know for sure when God is ministering to me that way. Because why? We, in and of ourselves, are incapable of selfless, unconditional love. We can't do it. Remember I was talking about who, who's our unholy trinity? Me, myself, and I. So even think back to when you, you didn't know Christ and those good works that you thought you were doing, they were really for you. They had a, you had a purpose for doing those. Rarely, I believe, do we ever do anything selflessly without the aid of and the trust of the Holy Spirit. Because that's when we begin to really minister to people and it touches them to the point where it changes them. Because they begin to see God 
through our actions, through our serving, and what we do. Amen? It's powerful. So since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And I'm sorry if these are small, but I'll read through them. Uh, There's actually, what, one, two, three, four, five different sets of scriptures where gifts are mentioned in the New Testament. Uh, First is Romans 12, 6 through 8, that cover prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, they cover the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts and healings, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 mentions apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, kinds of healings, helps, administration, and tongues. Ephesians 4.11, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And then our scripture verse from today, uh, which comes right after the one that I had up, is whoever, or no, this is one I covered, I'm sorry. Whoever speaks and whoever renders service. There's a lot of gifts. Which one has he put in you? What's dormant inside of you? Or what has God given you that you may not be exercising? You may not be working, letting God work out in you. Because it does. It takes us surrendering in order for these things to come out of us. We have to uh, lower our own expectations on ourselves and allow God's faith and movement to come into our heart and move us into this amazing Uh, part of our life where we begin to exercise the gifts that he has given to us. So my last point this morning is obvious, that God is glorified when we use our gifts. You know, when we receive a gift, we think of, you know, Christmas or our birthday, and how many of us, you know, when we give a gift, and then we see the other person really enjoying it. How does that make us feel? We're like, yes, I got it right. You know, I, I saw what they liked, and I bought this amazing doodad, and I got them this thing, and they're doing that with it, and they love it. And they keep coming, man, thank you, man. That was, how did you know? That was awesome that you got this for me. I love it. Thanks. Right? That's that appreciation that God receives when we do the same thing with the gifts that he's given us right? Because he knows. He made us. He framed us, it says. In our mother's womb, he knew everything that he wanted to be done in our lives. He placed everything perfectly. The problem is, as we get lost in the world and we begin to listen to what the world says we should do or be or how we are, or, and, and that gets intertwined with our own uh, fleshly thinking, and it gets all discombobulated up here, and we end up living a discombobulated life, you know? We don't know where we're going, you know? Working dead-end jobs, you know, work is just, I hate it. I don't want to go every Monday morning. Uh, I have to work on Sundays, all this stuff. And we, we pass right by go, and we don't get the $200. So God is saying this morning, come. Come and receive from me the gifts that I have for you. Let me awaken them in you. Let me bring them to fruition. Let me fill you again. 
And the glory that God gives is the substance of his tangible presence. I was reading something this week, just really touched my heart. And, you know, it keeps boiling back to the same thing. When we submit ourselves and go into that throne room of grace and experience his tangible presence, and we begin to receive words from God in our heart through, you know, uh, reading of his word, through listening to worship music, just spending time with him, we find this thing called glory. It comes on us. And it's, it's, it's really um, goes back to what we worship. Think of glory in its most simplest form as something that is really shining. It emanates light. We could turn out all the lights in this room and I could shine one flashlight up here. You're seeing the glory of that flashlight. It's power to be seen above everything else. That's what glory is. And God wants to share his glory with us. Imagine that. He wants us to partake. He wants us to have that substance in our life. Why? Because God wants the glory for himself. He's sharing his glory with us so that others can see him when we surrender to it. So my sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to minister to him and to be his ministers. Second Chronicles 29.11. How many also know the scripture where, where the, the temple was dedicated? And, the, and God's spirit came down tangibly to the point where the, 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 the priest couldn't even stand because of the weight of his glory. I've experienced it. It's powerful. And it changes you. Because it's, you can't walk away from that and deny it. You feel it in the depths of your heart. I mean, that's why some people will shake. They'll, you know, uh, when they're getting prayed for. and Because it's different. You're receiving something different. We're comfortable in our spirits, right? We, we kind of know who we are. But when we see or feel something different, it may make us uncomfortable. But Jesus said, fear not, for I am with you. Amen? So some of the scriptures that I just want to begin to close with. Um, or if you want to go ahead and come, come on up. Um, just some scriptures I want you to think about. Oh, I'm sorry. I did put it up. I didn't know if I left it in there or not. Uh, but I'm just going to read through some of these. Jesus in John chapter 5, verse 44 said, How can you believe when you receive glory from one another? And you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God. See, God wants us to shine above everything else. He wants you to shine above your own natural abilities. He wants to be able to touch others through the glory he wants to give to us. And again, here's the, the scripture from 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14. The trumpeters and the singers performed together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. 
accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices and praised the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not continue their service because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of God. Churches happened way back in the Old Testament. But how many of us have experienced that even here? When we've been in worship, when we've been touched by the Spirit of God. If you haven't, then open your heart. Open your heart today. As we, we're going to do some worship at the end and, you know, allow people to, uh, to receive what, what you want. Jesus said, he said it himself. He says, or Paul, I'm sorry, said it. He said, desire the greater gifts. Ask. Ask for them. And then Jesus said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. This is the power to serve. We can't serve without it. It's not something uh, fancy. It's not something uh, complicated. Jesus just said, ask and you will receive. If you see there's a deficit in your life, ask for that power to serve. Ask for that power even for yourself to be obedient, to connect with God. As Paul said, and we'll remind, I'm going to remind you again, is that we're no obligation to sin. The reason that we can walk in freedom is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we accept Christ into our heart. But the problem is, is sometimes we leak, you know. We, I'm just using a, whatever you call it, colloquialism or something. I don't know. We don't really leak, but the point is, is we, we, we forget. We forget the presence of God and we begin to just fall back in our own way of doing things. We begin to struggle and we begin to lose hope. But God is saying, no, I don't want you to lose hope. I want you to have the power that I give all to my children. I want you to have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want you to have the same power that was in Peter and Paul when they gave their words. I want you to have the same power to serve your family, your friends, your church, your coworkers. Why? Because God desperately loves his children. He loves the lost. He wants to reach them through us. He wants the gifts there so that it can be done, so that it will work, so that it won't fail. We know when people are not genuine with us. We know when they're, they have an agenda and they're, you know, they're serving us because they have to or they're serving us because they're obligated to or they're serving us to please somebody else so that they look good. Let's change it. Let's change our life and surrender to God so he looks good.
so their glory comes to him and everything gets filled Jesus says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth so if you sinful people know how to give good get give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask amen so let's go ahead and stand up i'm going to do it a little differently this morning just stand up close your eyes and i'm just going to pray for us this morning and if you feel led to come and uh and you need prayer for anything, just ask the, the leaders to come step up front and just receive those that, that, uh, that come forward for prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that you've made it all about your tangible powerful love for each one of us we thank you that we are the apple of your eye we're thankful Lord that you sent your son Jesus to die for each one of us we thank you that you have given us the provision we thank you that you have given us the power We thank you that you remind us in Colossians that you have given us everything that we need for life and for godliness and for serving, Lord God. And I just pray this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you need to receive from God, I pray from this for this moment, all you need to do is ask. I pray for your power, Lord Jesus, to come upon them through, through your Holy Spirit. Give them the courage, Lord God, to even begin to speak the words, to ask for what they each need, Father. Father, I just ask right now, I ask for your grace, for your immeasurable grace to just rest on this body today. So as it says in your word that there would be an abundance of life, an abundance of fruit. So if you want to produce fruit and you need the power to do it, then as the worship starts this morning, I pray just come forward and receive. Just receive. Just have somebody pray with you. And it's as simple as asking. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name.